Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Rungren Radio. I'm your host, Doug. We have Willie Wilcox with us tonight, of course, from Utopia. Willie's in all kinds of things now. We're going to find out about that tonight, see what he's up to. The chat room is already open if you want to get on there. It's at RungrenRadio.com, of course. The call-in number tonight is 646-716-9262. And let's start with a few announcements, and then we'll get into the conversation with Willie Wilcox, our special guest tonight. Tour dates for Todd Rungren start tomorrow night in Cleveland. 116 Cleveland. You can see Todd Rugren. That is a Todd Rugren hotbed over there, from what I understand. The Cleveland folks like him, so if you haven't got a ticket, you may want to jump on it. All the other shows are available on Ticketmaster.com, except for that one. The 18th is going to be in Columbus. The 19th and 20th, let's see, 19th in Covington, Kentucky, which is near Cincinnati. The 20th, Indianapolis. 22nd, Minneapolis. 25th, Chicago Park West. 28th, Rochester, New York, 30th in Ferndale, Michigan, near Detroit, 31st, Park West again in Chicago. The first show sold out the 25th, but you can see them on 31st if you want. And there's also a show in Toronto, Canada on the 27th. That is at the Danforth Music Hall. So there's your rundown for the Todd Tour of January. That's with Chasm Sultan. That's with Prairie Prince and Jesse Gress. Good stuff. As a matter of fact, it looks like I can't guarantee it. Be sure to check the site for updates. As soon as I know, it will be updated. I hope to find out tonight or tomorrow. It looks like I'll be able to take another crack at doing a live show for RungrenRadio.com, so probably the Covington show or the Indianapolis show, maybe both, where we'll mix in a few interviews with fans, uh, go over some of the merchandise, and then play a few songs. We're going to try to improve on our songs. It didn't work out too well last time. My phone kind of wigged out, but we believe that is cured. Thanks to loudandclean.com, they have me a little gadget that's going to fix that. So it should be pretty fun. And speaking of future shows, next week we have Adam Ellis, who was a fill-in bass player with the new cars when Chasm was touring with Meatloaf. And we're going to have a guest host, Cruiser Mail, one of our regular callers, is going to host that show. That's the 23rd at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Adam Ellis, bass player with the new cars, formerly of the new cars. And so don't miss that show next week. And then look for shows for this weekend because we may have some. I want to thank a couple sites tonight, TR Connection, Todd Ruggers Hot Toddies, 
and trcookbook.com for helping me promote the shows and this one in particular. And last but not least, check out the title head on the homepage, RuggerRadio.com. That will soon be available through the Todd store, which is at tr-i.com, of course. And that is it. Let's move on to the show. Willie Wilcox, how are you doing? Great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Looking forward to talking to you tonight. Everybody's kind of curious. Some people have kept up with you. Some people are out of the loop. We're trying to figure out where you've been, what's been going on. I know you're in Mexico, so what's yep. going on over there? Um, well, it's warm and it's sunny every day. Um, <laughs> kind of like when I used to live in Florida. kind of gets boring after a while, blue skies and, and sun every day. But that's uh, no, beautiful here. I'm, I'm about um, almost eight hours south of Acapulco in the state of Oaxaca. All right. Is it pretty Americanized over there where you are no. like it is in some places or not? No. Um, actually, the the city I live in is called Huatulco, and um, it's a city that's... Uh, it was built by the government as a tourist attraction, but they've kept a national park set up here, and it's very uh, kind of rural. There, there's a few five-star hotels, but it's very it's like a small pueblo, so it's pretty much like uh, original Mexico here. Um, they they just put in a, a new supermarket, so it's like a big deal hmm. to be able to go to a regular supermarket. But there are no chains here. There's no Sears. There's no WalMarts. There's no anything. So what takes you all the way over there in that town? Um, well, I came here, let's see, I was with NBC Universal on staff for about five years, and I finished that in, um, let's see, about 2005, and I just didn't feel like jumping back on the rat wheel and going to New York or going to L.A. and starting the same old process and doing, you know, what I had done over and over again, so I thought, well, I'll go to Mexico. My <clears throat> my former wife was Mexican, and, um, I had spent a lot of time uh, traveling to Mexico and really loved it, and uh, and I wanted to to spend more time, you know, some time living here, and I wasn't able to do that in the past, and um, now I'm able to do it. So I took the shot and I left. I actually drove from uh, New Jersey, where I was living, <clears throat> to here in Oaxaca. So it took about five days to get here. It was a kind of an awesome drive, <laughs> really interesting. Yeah. And um and I and I sent my studio on. That came after me, and I just went ahead and got settled in my place. And then the studio arrived, and I'm I'm able to I'm able to do the same work that I was actually doing when I lived in Jersey when I was on staff because you know with high speed internet and quick time movies um, for composing you know to picture the the networks would just send the send the the quick time movies, and I can just sit here in my place and write music in Mexico and send it off. And you know with the advent of the internet, you can be anywhere. Yeah, so you didn't upset anybody that you were working for at that time? No, not that I know of. Up and moved? Yep. Five-day road trip? Yep, it was awesome. I bet it was. So you said living with a little Mexican accent there. Have you learned Spanish real well, I take it? I do, I do pretty well now. I'm probably about 80% fluent, but I, I can understand, um, you know, I can travel around in Mexico now. So I <clears throat> I bought a, a, a Jeep, so I was up in uh, another a city called Puebla, which is outside of um, Mexico City. And, uh, you know, I got my Jeep, drove back. So before I couldn't drive around because I couldn't speak well enough, so if you get lost. Plus, the infrastructure here is very different. It's not like the states where everything is superhighways. Even if you pay for the superhighway, it may be a superhighway for a while. And then all of a sudden, it's like a one, you know, like a two-lane road with lots of potholes in it mm. and cows and horses and yeah. chickens and whatever. So... 
so it uh, it depends where you are, but there's you know there there's infrastructure and there isn't, and and that changes as you go through Mexico. So the strategy of adding an O to the end of everything doesn't work when you're looking for directions over there. <clears throat> no, <laughs> yeah, like Brad Pitt was trying in that movie with uh, Tony Soprano. Yeah, okay, good deal. So you're in Mexico. Are you doing some real estate over there? Um, I've uh, been looking into I, that was my one of the original ideas that I was going to do is to d- develop some properties and. I had actually was brought here um, by a company, a real estate development company out of Oaxaca, and we were going to do that in the beginning, but they ended up determining that the land that was near here was too expensive to build on. And I had brought my studio anyway, and that was, you know, my original original intention was just to keep doing my music, and then if I wanted to do some stuff on the side, then uh, I could get involved with the real estate. But um, I'm looking at getting some stuff for myself, but as far as selling it, it's, you know, I don't know kind of a fantasy because I'm more of a musician than I am a real estate agent. I think I am. Yeah. Well, what is what was it like as far as getting over there? I mean, I know there's uh, it's kind of the opposite. You have more people from there, I believe, trying to come over here. Are there mm-hmm. other uh Americans like yourself over there and was it hard to get, you know, approval to live there? Or did you just go on? Oh, uh, well, when <clears throat> when you want to first of all, you have to be invited to I'm I'm on a living residential visa. I'm not on a tourist visa. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have what's called an FM3 which allows me to, to live here, and it just gets renewed every year. Um, after I've been here almost three years now, um, two more years and I'll be able to apply for Mexican citizenship so I could have dual citizenship, you might ask why and say, well, <clears throat> there's a lot of land. This is getting kind of touching back on the real estate thing. There's tremendous amounts of land, oceanfront property, that are owned. It's um, uh, Hidalgo land. It's It's uh, the land for the uh, the comunales, it's given to the, the Mexican people by the government. So there's vast amounts of beautiful, beautiful property right on the ocean. And you can't buy that property unless you're Mexican. Mm. So <clears throat> there's a lot of... That's the other thing, too, is that in buying in Mexico, you have to be really careful about buying land because if it... There, there's a lot of restrictions and there's a lot of, of rules that apply, and, and most Americans don't know it. And you hear a lot of the nightmare stories about people buying property, putting on their house, and then losing it. And that's true because they didn't do the homework to begin with, and they didn't know that, you know, you can't just go and buy a piece of land just because the price is really, really low and somebody said it's okay. <laughs> Got to watch out for the real estate scams, no question yep. about it. You mentioned NBC Universal TV. You did some theme songs over there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was as I had mentioned, I was on staff for five years. That was like don't the the, the a real don't, you know the real corporate job that I've had in my in my life, probably the only one. And um, uh, my job there was to uh, sound design, which is taking sound effects and or keyboards, you know, with um, synthesized sounds and things, and creating uh, original sounds, like in the Nike commercials and stuff, where you're super hyping some ac- action that somebody's doing or an athlete or something and sound designing to picture and then also composing music for themes um, or you know different shows doing uh, bumpers which is music going in and music going out of shows um, commercials and uh, so I had d- done a lot of stuff with the sci-fi channel <clears throat> when I was there because the sci- sci-fi was a part of NBC, well, still it's part of NBC Universal. So a lot of the I Am Sci-Fi campaigns I had done, and um, let's see what else. Well, there was USA Networks was a part of that as well. So USA Cable, and then Trio Networks did a bunch of music for Trio, and then there was um, 
uh, show uh, on Sci-Fi that had a lot of short features, like short movies. So I got to score um, some music from movies while I was there as well. They were short, short pictures, but that was a lot of fun. And then, um, uh, you know, currently, I, I continue to compose for NBC privately as an as an independent. So I have uh, about about four or five shows that are running now. Uh, one of them is with the um, uh, Jim Cramer, the Mad Money Crazy uh, Stockbroker guy. Yeah, I did all the music for that show. And then there's a, a talk show uh, with Donnie Deutsch called The Big Idea. Yeah, it's a good show. Did the music for that. And then there's a show called Conversations with Michael Eisner. He's the CEO of uh, Disney. Did that show. And there's another show they have called Fast Money. And um, then there's some squawk box and news shows and different things. So I've done a bunch of different things for them. For Universe Now, is that tying to VH1? You know you're part of the Rock Fest, or is that something totally different? No, no VH1 is um, uh, MTV, VH1, um, uh, blanking out on the name of the uh, Viacom. It's Viacom, and so that was a separate project, and there was actually um, uh, cast played on some of that stuff with me. Right. Um, and um, it was how that, how'd you hook that up? You just okay. It was, a pack, it was um, <clears throat> my friend was the uh, producer um, that I had worked with in Miami, and he uh, was was hired as the the executive producer to produce that series for VH1 called Classic Rock Series. And the package contained, uh, I think it was Ma- um, uh, We Are the 80s, Super 70s, Metal Mania, Rock Fest, um, uh, Soul Power, uh, Pop Show, a bunch of stuff. And so the the whole idea behind that was kind of to make it sound like a like a, a sound check prior to every one of the shows and, and kind of create music that would that would be representative of the time period, whether it was the 70s or 80s, as a group would be sound checking. Mm-hmm. So had to kind of, kind of come up with riffs and and you know motifs that were representative of those time periods, which is kind of fun because you know you got to to span all the the, the time zones of of the classic rock and you know from soul to to 60s and to you know regular rock and stuff. And so when I was doing that. I was living in New York, so that's when um, I called Cass, and he played bass and sang on some stuff. He sang on Pop Show, and we did Rock Fest. Um, and, and then another buddy of mine, Fred Mandel, who actually we all worked with in the past, Utopia worked with, when we all did the um, Alice Cooper. Uh, years ago, we did something with Alice Cooper. And then uh, we recorded in the studio, and Fred Mandel was the keyboard player. and He's a good friend of all of ours in Utopia, so... I use Fred on there as well. Interesting. So, Kaz, now is that is that a pretty fun gig? Did you like doing that, or, or was it? Better yeah, it was doing, great. Yeah, good stuff. Fun. I mean, it, you've it, gone all over the place, man. I mean, you, you started, you know, with jazz and mm-hmm. then got in rock, and now you're talking about theme songs. And later on, we're going to talk about what you're doing now, which is uh, completely different from all three of those, of course. So you're mm-hmm. uh, well versed in the music world, obviously. Well, I mean, uh, I'm musical, you know, and and when I first started playing jazz was my love and um roger and i really shared that uh, uh companionship of love for jazz um I remember in you know the utopia days with us every sound check we would always run in earlier and play jazz before we had to play a regular sound check but uh jazz was a big uh a big part of my life when i when i had a kind of a very magical childhood when i was 16 where i grew up in upstate new york in glens falls new york um 
there was a guy who came from that town called Tio Macero, and he was actually the producer of many of the original Miles Davis records. And um, so as a favor to Tio, all the big bands on their way up to Montreal to play would stop in this little town where I lived, and they would play these shows as, on the stop overnight on the bus. So in this teeny little restaurant, I got to see Count Basie, Woody Herman, Duke Ellington, Max Roach, Gene Krupa, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a big part of my life, jazz, prior yeah. prior to, you know, to getting into Hall and & Oates and Utopia and all those other bands that were more rock-influenced. Yeah, you played with some big names, Mick Jagger, Pointer Sisters, Meatloaf, which I definitely want to get into as well soon. But right. now, So now, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you're kind of going more in a, a hip-hop direction with some of your music. Well, what, what I'm into personally, other than the music that I do for, for TV, and it, it always kind of spills over. Um, when I was with Utopia, we were a band and we were doing music that was our group. You know that was that, that was music that was representative of us individually, and it was our band. And then when I wasn't in a band, I'm kind of forced to write music uh, for other purposes. Not it's not my solo record, so I have to have vehicles to write and direction to write for. So when I would be writing for TV, in the past, a lot of the you know TV and commercials are always chasing the trends. So you know whatever trends are happening on television and, and in commercials are really reflecting what's going on in the musical market. And these days I just happen to listen to um, a lot of um, uh, new electronic music, you know, like groups like Daft Punk. Uh, you know, the, there's a rapper named Kanye West and he has a, a, a new song out and he sampled uh, this group Daft Punk um, and Zero uh, Seven and Kayla. And a lot of these bands that are uh, you know, like electronic, but uh, aggressive bands, not like dance pop electronic, but kind of like they use this um, b um, uh, bit mapping, like distorted sounds and stuff. And so I just play around with a lot of the stuff that just to to stay interested, really. Mm -hmm. It's more about, for me, staying interested because, I don't know, I, occasionally I'll go back and, you know, like my favorites, like listening to Jimi Hendrix and, and, and the Beatles and, and, and those kinds of bands, very occasionally I'll go back and I'll listen to those classic songs and, and you know, remember how great they are. But most of the time I, I'm just moving forward and I, out of not becoming bored and wanting to, to, to maintain the same inspiration that I had when I started music, I keep listening to new things. And I have to not force myself to listen to new things, but I have to listen to new things because when you're younger, you listen to new things as a part of your uh, it's a part of your life because those new things are happening because you're a part of it. And, and you know, as you get older, um, you're not a part of it because it's not a part of your lifestyle in particular, but, but, it, but it is a part of your, you know, musical development. So I stay um, up on what's going on. Also, my, my son, Jamin, who he's in a group called Under the Influence of Giants. They're on um, Island Def Jam, and they're making their new record now. And, and so I talk to Jamin all the time, and, we're always talking about new music and stuff. So a lot of a lot of the music that that he's listening to, he turns me on to. So it you know, it helps me stay up on what's going on and keep me interested. Excellent. Yeah. So it definitely changes over time. Let's speaking of looking looking at time now. It's 2008, and I believe now you, you mentioned to me that your solo record may come out in December. Is that did it come out, or do you have something? No, no, out? no. It's something that I'm going to be working on that okay. I, I want to have come out. And I figured if I said it here, then I'd have to do it. All right, now. let's play Zappo. How about that? I'm sorry? Zappo, that's from your your upcoming solo record, right? 
Oh, the, the sample tango is just one of the one of the kind of tracks that I've been working on. That's that's piecing together, you know, bits of uh, electronic stuff. It's actually a sample of um, of uh, I think that that particular one I think is a, a sample of the group, the Meters, that came out of New Orleans. Okay. Uh, with kind of some electronic stuff, so they're just pieces. They're just bits and pieces of directions, but I don't even know that that'll end up being on anything. Right. But it's just kind of some. But it's kind of the direction you're going in, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. This is 19 seconds, everybody. This is Zeppo Willie Wilcox. Possible solo album coming out. Yep. All right. I figure I have, I've never done one, so I, I at least owe it to myself to do it. Yeah, there you go. It sounds like uh, you're in a couple of clicks um, that are probably pretty fun. One of them being in the boxing world, another one being in the Playboy Centerfold world. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the Playboy Centerfold first. That seems to be the, the more fun click. Okay. There's uh, Yvette Lopez. You got a production with her and a song out. Uh, yeah. Um, Yvette is um, of Mexican descent, and um, I actually, when I, I was in L.A. in August, and um, I had written years ago a song for this artist named Stacy Q, who had a big hit with the song I had written, and um, she actually is still touring and doing stuff, and I had met with her manager. Her manager introduced me to Yvette, and um, we spoke, and I had heard uh, one of the productions she had done with... Um, one of the producers, actually the producer from the group Expose, which was a big band back in yeah. the day, in the dance day. And so I heard her track, and I liked it. And they said, well, you know, you're of Mexican descent, and I'm in Mexico, so um, <clears throat> why don't I start thinking about a track for you to do? Um, but I didn't want her to be just, you know, just standard dance-style track. So I came, went back to Mexico and started, you know, working on some ideas. Then Yvette flew down for three weeks and uh, worked here at the studio. And uh, we came up with this uh, track. Um, I wanted to have the... the um, there's going to be a rapper on the track. <clears throat> there's a main part of the track. His name is Cream. You know, maybe we can play something from him later, but he's uh, just finishing up the, the rap portion of the track, and, uh, um, and, and he'll be doing kind of the, the, the track with Yvette. And um, the idea behind the track was that we were going to use uh, Mexican, traditional Mexican instruments with kind of like a, there's a, there's a producer that's pretty successful now in the dance world. His name is Timberland, and uh, he does uh, uh, that song Promiscuous with um, Nelly and a lot of different, uh, Nelly Furtada and different, a lot of artists, uh, Missy Elliott he produces. And um, so kind of has like those kind of grooves but using tr- traditional instruments so what the version that I sent you doesn't have the real instruments on it only has the mock versions of the instruments that I'm going to be using but there's kind of like mariachi string kind of stuff in there and accordions and stuff but that stuff will, is going to end up being replaced with real instruments but sampled not just playing straight but they'll be sampled and then I'll reappropriate them through the track but they'll be real so I'll have the influences of the you know the culture that's here in Mexico using traditional instruments, but it's going to have kind of a modern um, you know hip hop kind of dance sure. uh, vibe, and um, 
Yeah, that's it. And then Yvette is, in the, is um, going to Sundance right now, and then she's meeting with uh, Jose Cuervo because I think we're, we're looking at trying to, to complete a package with them for, for her to be the representative and then for them to shoot a, a commercial using this particular track and Yvette as the spokesperson. Yeah. Nowadays, it's, it's a lot more advantageous to market your songs and lock them with endorsements and 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 major corporations than it is just to release a song because we all know what's happening in the music business with people downloading and in the yeah exactly what's happening with the computer so it's harder and harder for musicians to be paid you know on a right. fair basis for releasing a song especially you can you know you can get a single for ninety nine cents ringtones are out selling records so um, part of what I'm doing these days as well is looking for marriages for my music hence you know I, I hooked up with Yvette because she has uh, visibility in, in working with other you know companies that I wouldn't be working with and you know I'm not going to get the Jose Cuervo or Playboy yeah. <laughs> unless well, I have another Trapparatus drum machine and win the Excess of the Year award yep. maybe I can help you Jose Cuervo and I go way back <laughs> yeah, you're way back. You're way back. So when was uh, when was she a centerfold in Playboy? Um, I don't even know. I can't remember. Not, it's not that I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I, I didn't see. I didn't see her issue. She's supposed to shoot in March here in Mexico again for for another centerfold. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's play that. It's 46 second clip. We'll play that. Then I'm gonna take a call. We got a caller from Mary Code 815. If you'll hang tight with us for 46 seconds, we will play yep. this song we talked about. Cool. Here we go. the night toda la noche toda la noche it's my toda first song in spanglish there you go all right good movie adam sandler all right here we go 815 what do you have for us hey willie jim snyder how are you tonight good man how you doing hey not too bad it's uh been a long time since i've heard your voice and huh. uh it's uh been a fan for a long a lot of years and uh, great i appreciate I that say, i i just want to call and say thanks man uh um I, you know, I've seen Raj and I've seen Kiaz a few times out and about, so I've been able to say hi, thanks to them. But I haven't seen you about because you're not, you know, doing much out and about. But I, you know, some special times you've uh, really made my day, uh, and uh, I just wanted to say thanks. Uh, one was a show in Milwaukee. Uh, I think it was in 1980 on the. Uh, uh, oh boy, uh, can you think of the album name right now? Adventures Tour. And uh. It was after the show, and uh, kind of. Tough show. Uh, yeah, I think you guys were doing uh, Bob O'Reilly in those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, Todd threw the white Mustang up in the air that night, and it crashed on the stage. And I okay. Think, and I think that night Roger uh, tripped and fell and hit his head. Oops. And it was kind of a downer that you know they wouldn't come out and talk with fans. And uh, we were standing in front of the the audience, the the stage, and after the show, 
you came up and invited us up on stage, and I've still got a picture that sits in my office that's sitting on your uh, drum machine. And uh, you're really nice that night, and uh, I just want to thank you. Um, real genuine guy, and uh, I hope someday you guys uh, put it together and maybe do a small tour, maybe a record, something like that. It would make no, That would be fun, and <clears throat> I appreciate uh, the things that you said. That's very nice, and I'm glad that I behaved myself that night. <laughs> <laughs> I must have been the only one that wasn't injured, right? There you go. You don't want to give those reputations as being a, a, a rock star jerk or whatever, you know, after shows. All right, thanks for calling, Jim. I think we get, we lost him there, but uh, appreciate okay. the calling. And, of course, the kind words for our guest, Willie Wilcox. Yeah, All right. Nice. Yeah, if anybody else wants to call, 646-716-9262. Always takes that first call, and then people start getting the guests to call up. It's kind of like a... I compare it to going to a dance, you know, when you're in high school or something. Until somebody gets out on the dance floor, nobody else will. You've got to take that first person to jump. All right, good deal. So now, moving on into the boxing world, you've got a song that's the entrance theme for a number one ranked boxer, uh, Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao. All right. Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, Manny is um, from the Philippines. And how that came about is that um, I wrote a song a while back called Suddenly It's Magic with... um, my friend Amy Reichart, um, well, she called herself Amy La Television, and, and she's from Hawaii. Actually, uh, she lives um, pretty close to Todd. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, Amy and I had written that song for a movie called Soul Man. And um, the song came out and then was recorded by an artist named Vesta Williams. And then unbeknownst to me, in this time period, all of a sudden it became like the the love song of the Philippines, and everybody is recording the song these days. <clears throat> so if you go to the Philippines or if you go on the websites and you go on to, uh, to um, uh, uh, YouTube and type in Suddenly It's Magic, all of a sudden you see all these artists singing this song. So I figured, hey, well, since, uh, since I like that song, maybe I should get in touch with um, one of the managers over there. So I did. Uh, her name is uh, Jeline Eugenio, and... Um, Jolene and I spoke, met her in Los Angeles, and then um, she turned out that she started. She was um, going to be representing um, the uh, promotional aspects of Manny's tour in the states. He just had a he just had a fight in uh, March here that he won with uh, um, was it Solis, I think it was. Um, and um, so she said, you know, um, we. I, I, she's a famous chore- choreographer there, and she said, would you? Uh, write a song for Manny, and I'll do the choreography and stuff. So I wrote the song and um, sent it to them, and they liked the song. So um, I actually licensed it to the Philippines, only for the Philippine territory. I'm going to be releasing the song here on iTunes coming up very shortly. and um, But it's going to be released in February or March in the Philippines. As a, there's a video and a, a, you know with Manny and dancers and stuff. And... Um, and it's like a hip hop track against kind of kind of hip hop drums with a kind of a rock edge, uh, you know, uh, rock guitars and stuff. And um, uh, that's how I that's how I got connected with Manny. They call him Pac Man, right? Yeah, they call him the Pac Man. So the what song weight is called class is Pac Man Punch? Yeah. What weight class? Boxing class? He's uh, I think he's featherweight. Featherweight number one mm-hmm. boxer in the world, and you were hanging out with him, writing music for him. So yeah, I met him. In, I met him in L.A. when I was in L.A. I went to the to the gym where he was training and stuff. And they used to be a uh, passion of mine back in the day when I was with Utopia. I used to 
uh, go to, to box, box tra- I was training in boxing in, the, in Miami in the Fifth Street Gym and with Floyd Patterson's gym outside in Newburgh, New York, where we were close to where we were rehearsing. Yeah, somebody was cussing you for that. I want to say it was Chris Anderson on one of our shows for that punching bag you used to carry around. They had to oh. haul it around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. I used to make, make, make everybody, like, help me drag along a heavy bag. And then yeah. I remember actually, like, hanging it from light fixtures in hotels. <laughs> now, are you, are you still you still pumping iron? And it like uh-huh. Like I, I, uh, I go to the gym all the time here. It's... um. Uh, it's incredibly cheap. Like, um, I just have to say this because it's one of the things that I love about living here. There's a five-star hotel across from where I live, and so for sixty bucks a month, I have a um, a membership to the gym. But it gives me membership to the entire um, to the entire uh, hotel and uh, facilities, and so I can go over there and you know, just a few minutes from the, the house, and I walk over and. I can exercise, and you know it's a perfect environment. The other thing is, is that when you live in a place where you don't wear clothes very often, then then you want to exercise more just to stay in shape, you know. So it's kind of like a, it's like a forced thing, but it's good because you know it's, it's I I just try to eat well these days and stay in shape. So, yep, that's it. Yeah, you go to South Florida or places like that. If you're not in shape, you're gonna. You're going to stand out because everybody over there seems to be. Some of them, yes. of course, are paid for, but some of them actually earn it. Just depends yep. on the situation. <laughs> but, that's, that's South Beach, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, same thing. What you're talking about, I guess, over there, you got to kind of stay in shape, probably stay tan. What is the uh, song t- called? This song that you're doing for Pac-Man? That's called the Pac-Man Punch. Pac-Man Punch. Okay. And it's a, it's a. The reason we call the Pac-Man Punch is that there's a, there's a, a dance that goes along with this thing with the girls and you can, actually it's on I think it's on YouTube but there's some snips of it that came out on some of the TV shows but the actual video they're shooting now with, with the girls and Manny and stuff so let's play a little bit of it you want to play the outro or the intro um you can play the intro alright we got us a clip here a minute and 15 seconds here this is for featherweight number one ranked boxer in the world Pac-Man here we go Pac-Man Punch, just close your eyes and imagine the featherweight champion coming out with that. You know it's good. That could be in a movie, you know, like Rocky or something. Right. I like that. I like that. So somebody's birthday today that you know? Um, no, no birthdays, but um, it's, uh, I, I have to 
uh, send my congratulations to my brother James, who was married today. Ah, marriage! I got him too. Yeah, he got married today. Um, he and his wife Michelle. So, that's fantastic. Wanted to wish, wish them all the best and congratulations. All right, congratulations on the marriage. <clears throat> Your brother's married. All right. Yep. So that's good news, man. Excellent. All right, so let's look at your song that you have, the words and music that you were involved with. It's already on iTunes. This is a, I'm not going to butcher these names. Now, I could say Tony Gonzaga. Oh, oh it's If Only Love. Yeah. The, the song If Only Love, yeah. Tony um, Gonzaga and Piola. Or, yeah, oh, um, Piola. I got it, yeah. Yeah. Pasquale? Pasquale, yeah. Yep, nice. All right, I'm learning. Good deal. So this is on iTunes already. Yeah, it's a duet, and again, um, it's a it's a duet. He's a big star in the Philippines, and um, it's a it's kind of like a well, it's a, it's like a Disney love song, mm-hmm. you know. It's like totally uh, contrary to what you had just heard, but um, no, they wanted a duet, like a like a the Philippines right now. It's very popular, like these love songs and torch ballads and things like that. And you know, it. <clears throat> Reminiscent of what Utopia did, but in a different, in, in a much lighter way. So how did how do these people find you? I mean, you talking about? Well, I found them. You find you track them down, huh? As I had mentioned, when suddenly it's magic uh, was very popular, I called up in the in this woman that uh, was managing me in the Philippines, Jeline, uh connected this song with these artists. Excellent. All right, why don't we play that one as well? I want to hear it. You said it was a, a little little bit like Utopia, maybe. No, no, no. In, in the sense that that it's one of those type. It's a ballad. Okay. It's a ballad, but the you know with Utopia, I use different kind of chord changes, and it was a it was a more aggressive. This is more um, more of a, a, a light romantic song. I, I okay. it's kind of Disney esque in a certain sense. So you could probably hear it in a Disney movie. Okay, great. Actually, I'd like to hear it in a Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You got to call them too. All right. So speaking of Utopia, we'll be talking about them next. We're going to play this clip first. It's one minute twenty seconds. Okay. It's called "If Only Love," and this was the words and the music are by Willie Wilcox. And here we go. Get, wait, i got to get my Kleenex out. All right. <laughs> if you're going to blow your nose, I can mute you. Just let me know. No, Back I'm on fine. air, of course. Here we go. 
All right. Speaking of Utopia, Roger Powell wanted me to tell you, sorry you missed the show tonight. He wanted to give best wishes to the fans and give you a warm hello. Big cool. warm hello, he said. What's up, Rog? Yeah, Roger was on. He's. Uh... I know, I listened. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, I listened. Good deal. So he, yep. he has also been in the corporate world like you and still is, as a matter of fact. I know. Yeah, he's working at uh, Apple still. Yeah. Um, his record sounds good, too. I heard um, parts of his record, and I heard the interview was cool. Yeah, he's done real well with that record as far as uh, you know some of the reviews and, and those type of magazines and the uh, you know awards and whatnot for that type of sound. He's, mm-hmm. It's it's been popular as far as that goes. I don't know about commercially. I don't uh, have in, any any privy to information on that, but I know it's you know the people that are in the know that his peers have have really taken a liking to that that CD. Fossil Poets, of course. Yeah, it's a good record. Fossilpoets.com. If anybody wants to get it, and we talked to him a little bit about. You know, a possible reunion, of course, his problem is that he is, uh, he's got a real job, you know, that's paying him pretty good, it sounds like, and he's, he's set and just can't walk out of the office and go be a rock star again or anything like that. Right. But, uh, I know there was some talk, uh, you know, there was a, a lot of stuff. Fans were disappointed, apparently, when Todd had decided to go with the new cars because for some reason there was big talk about a possible Utopia reunion in 06. Uh-huh. And I know a lot of people wonder what happened with that, if, you know, why that fell apart, if it did, if there, it was even true that y'all were talking about doing that. Um, I think I remember us talking about doing it, and then I think from what I've read, what I understand is that uh, um, Todd made a decision to do the new cars based on a uh, financial decision, mm-hmm. and it was more lucrative to, to go out and do the new car. So I think that's that was the basis on which he mo- moved forward to do that, which... Uh, I would I would do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Money talks, right? Well, I mean, so y'all had gotten as far as looking at what, you know, what Utopia you know might do commercially if you did tour again, or it was that. Say, was I'm that, sorry, say that again. Y'all had looked far enough into it where he had an idea what it might do versus what the new cars could do, or no, no, we it never got that far. No, it never got that far. I, I I'm not sure exactly what happened. I mean, I I just I, I was asked, you know, would you be interested? I said, sure, I'll be. I would be interested, and then. Um, I heard that the, over a period of time that they were going to form the new cars, and that was the direction. So that's that's where they went. But there was no discussions as to, you know, it never got to the point whether where it was like, oh, okay, Utopia new cars, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, or we're going to. There was was never that much um, uh, that was formulated to, to to make that kind of decision. I got you. So, what about in '92? There was a short, short-lived kind of reunion. Yeah, that was it was '93, wasn't it? In the Japan tour, or no? Yeah, '92, I believe. Maybe '93, but I believe yeah. '92. And so that one was. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what happened there? Y'all just didn't do that very long. Um, what it was just for Japan only. It was it was only set up to go to Japan and come back, and it was set up to to make the uh, DVD that was sold live in Japan. Mm-hmm. Where it was at the Sun Plaza, yeah. so it was only designed for that. Yeah, it was only designed to go over to Japan, play the maybe eight dates that we did or something, shoot the video, sell the video, and come back. It was there was n- never any intention of it becoming um, more than that. Right? Did you have a good time doing that? Was that a good time? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I bet. I love Japan. Isn't it great? The audiences, oh, anyway. I always say this on every show, but I just love it because of the. There's a nearly human video out, and they just don't get. You know, they don't try to interrupt the songs and yell and all this kind of thing. So well, it's, it's, different. Uh, it's a different culture. Yeah, and they're they're big time fans of you guys and Todd, of course. Uh, yeah. Questions. So, um, 
good stuff there. So 92. Now, what when you were, you know, in the heydays of Utopia, what, what were some of the songs that you really liked performing the most and some of the ones you didn't like performing that much? <laughs> well, do you want me to answer the ones I did like? Yeah, both. First? Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Let's, let's go positive with, first. Let's just start with the glass half full. There you go. Um, but now I have to remember. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I... It's just like now I'm giving it thought. I haven't given it thought. Um, I didn't really prepare and sit and think about like, hmm, mm. what songs did I love playing? Um, <clears throat> I think, let's see. Um, I think I like playing The Death of Rock and Roll. I don't know why I said that, but I think I did. Yeah. Um, I think it was fun. Um, the Last Ride I liked playing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um Maybe uh, I'm trying to think of what the name of the song was. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, I don't know. I, Any of them that you hated? That or I just hated. didn't like. You know, they were kind of you know a hassle to play, or you didn't like, or would have chose something different, maybe. No, not really. Alright. Not really. I can't remember all the song titles. I mean, I'm kind of like at a loss. <clears throat> yeah, no problem. That's some of the questions we get from the chat room. Somebody wanted to know what what uh, we always t- seem to to get these stories about the raw tour, you know, and, the, and Maurice and all these kind of things. I mean, it seemed to be uh, an extremely popular show, but of course, you know, carrying around all that stuff and the pyramid, etc. There's always been some crazy stories about that. Mm-hmm. Did you did you enjoy that tour when y'all did that? Was it a lot of fun? Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh a gigantic extravaganza. <laughs> was, you know, I, I'm sure the other guys have talked about this, but <clears throat> we were limited where we could play because it was so tall. It was there was only certain stages that could accommodate the pyramid, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we had the waterfall around the drum set and the fog machines and the wind and the glass guitar and. Todd climbing up the pyramid every night and us wondering when the tour would end sh- quickly, mm-hmm. you know, because he would break his neck. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was, it was, that was fun. That was a fun time. Yeah, good stuff, good stories. Well, did you have, you didn't happen to listen to the show when Chasm was on here, did you? No, I didn't. All right, I'm going to play you a little clip, and I, w- I would like to hear your comments on this. Well, actually, I played it during Roger, but we're gonna, I want to play it anyway. It's not that long in just a few seconds, but... Uh, I'd like to see if you can recall this and kind of give us a little lowdown on this story right here. Okay. Uh, Roger and, and Willie said, well, we don't want Tony Sales in the band. We want Kasim back. We think that Kasim would be a really good addition to the band. And unless you want to find another bass player, another drummer and keyboard player, then you better take Kasim <laughs> in the band. So Todd begrudgingly took me into the band so as not to upset the apple cart with Roger and Willie, and the rest is history. I spent the first two years kind of trying to make Todd like me, and uh, <laughs> now you've succeeded. Now we're best friends. How about that? He's a liar. <laughs> you can't confirm that. Hell no. <laughs> I wanted Tony in the band. Yeah. But uh, uh, no, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> true story. All right, I was going wow. Yeah, I um, I just remember remember at the time that um uh that you know all the attributes that 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 Cass was bringing into the band his voice uh well we can't say his looks but um his uh bass playing 
yeah, I was. I'm. No, I, I wanted to play with Cass. I enjoyed it, and um, so uh, yeah, that's true. True story. Huh? Now, do you true remember story. trying to negotiate that uh, with Mr. Rugman? Uh, yeah, I can remember negotiating a lot of things with Mr. Rugman. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was that like? I mean, was it uh, was it begrudgingly like Chasm said, or did y'all y'all uh, have to really beat on him good to get that to happen, or? You know, I don't remember, um, you know, how much we had to push the point, but I think um, I think the fact that, you know, Roger and I both both wanted Cass in the band and that we thought that that would be the, the best addition to the band and that there was, you know, at that point it's more than half the people, you know, of the three of us, two-thirds of the, of the, of the band, right. if it was Todd, Roger, and I, uh, thought it was a good idea, and I just think Todd... Um, acquiesced because two-thirds of the people wanted to do it. I don't remember it being too, like, um, too heavy. But I think, you know, Todd also, I think, had a relationship in the past with uh, Tony, right? Sure. To so I think, I think, I don't know, but I would imagine that that there was some kind of uh, um, personal allegiance to, you know, if you've worked with somebody in the past, it's kind of hard to say, well, I want the new guy Absolutely. Probably probably put you into a position where, where it's a no-win situation, you know. Yeah, democracy rules, I could just blame you too. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably what he did. Yeah. yeah, those are tough decisions, you know, in any kind of business. It comes down to that, though, sometimes. So, you know, it is it is what it is. But, you know, there's been different stories for years, you know, different things. And, you, you know, everybody tries to figure out what happened. There's different stories we talked about a few weeks ago with Naz and, some people blamed it on Carson's wife. Some people blamed it on the uh, Curlin. I mean, it's all kind of crazy stories. But there was, you know, there's there's a lot of belief that Utopia really truly was a democracy, and that you know everybody did kind of have a say on how things went. You know, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Um, I think there were periods of time that that it approached being a democracy. I don't know if, if being a democracy is the right word because it's kind of like a band isn't democratic in the, in the sense that you know that everybody is free to do whatever they want to do like a marriage isn't democratic there's compromises when you when you have relationships and and, and in the band in particular and there's also the creative um, you know the creative visions of like in our case of four different people having each having his own creative idea about what should be there, each having his own creative skill set about what should be there, as well as having four distinct personalities that have nothing to do with music whatsoever, coming from different places and walks of life with different families, and, and it becomes very complex, like, like any relationship does. And in, and in music, you know, I think also as well, people you know, that are musicians and artists and things tend to feel um, feel very strongly, you know, that, that, that's what an artist does is he kind of has amplified feelings about things. That's why you're expressing yourself as an artist. So artists are very temperamental. Artists are, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty much demented people. <laughs> we're dysfunctional people to begin with. Yeah, what do you so say? Kind of having, a, having a democracy with dysfunctional yeah. people um, at a young age, to boot. I mean, at, a, at a young age, yeah. with with uh, 
testosterone or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't. I don't know if if it even makes sense to talk about there being a democracy, if or if there ever was. I think it's fair to say that that opinions ebbed and flowed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of compromise until you have to have that that mm-hmm. going on. I think. I think in in different periods of time, depending. You know, I can remember specifically in different periods of time. Some people are more creative than others in, in specific periods of time. Some people are, like one record that we may do, I'm not picking one in particular, but I'm just saying one direction for an album may have been a direction that was more in tune to one band member than another band member, and that band member was more active or less active or more interested or less interested. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and that's well, the ebb and flow of things. And so right. people would step up to the plate and step back from the plate depending on on a lot of things so did you so but it, it was never it was never we all sat down and said what do you think what do you think what do you think and we all got an equal vote and at the end of the day the majority wins that never happened it wasn't like that so let's take this example you gave where you have you know uh, an album that's catered more towards one individual i mean would that individual come to the group and say look i got these ideas and everybody go oh, we kind of like that we'll run with it or you know is it kind of uh, how did that work Exactly. Well, most most typically, um, since Todd preceded all of us with his own career um, and wrote all the lyrics for the band and, and many of the melodies for the band, he was always um, leading the band mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think that, that that was always a big part. I think as the band matured and as time went on, um, that changed. But but I think it was always always prevalent. Okay. All right. Well, that's some good utopia conversation. We've got a couple callers that are interested in talking some more about whatever they want to talk about. We're going to take a call from Melinda, I believe, from Texas. Is that you? Hey, Doug. Yeah, it's me. Hello. Can you speak up a little bit? Okay. I'm using a different phone tonight. Is it not good? Put your mouth close to the mouthpiece and we're all good. (laughs) Hello. There you go. Hey, what's up? Hi, Willie. It's me. How you doing? I'm good. Are you doing good tonight, too? I'm doing great. Oh, good. Listen, both of you guys, I want you to know that that uh, I was looking so forward to this show. I'm not watching American Idol just. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I am. You're watching it? Yeah, right now. Well, I have to admit, I've got one eye on. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, I knew that. He suckered you in for that one. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, not watching Ameri- I'm not watching American Idol. Yeah. <laughs> oh shoot! Y'all tricked me. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Oh, well, you guys are talking about utopia. I thought I, I needed to call in right now and, and ask my question. Um, Willie, you played on the Back to the Bars record, right? Uh-huh. Okay, what was the occasion that there were so many celebrities uh, that were there to come up on stage at, uh, for Hello, It's Me? Um, <clears throat> what was the occasion? I think that, just, that, that they were just friends that happened to be in town. Like Stevie Nicks, I think, was from L.A., uh, Daryl and John, who I used to play with, were in L.A. touring, I think. I just think it was a bunch of people that happened to be there. Not happened to be at the club, but were in town. I don't know if, if they were asked to come. <clears throat> yeah, I think they must have been, because I don't think that all these people would just show up to happen to to to, to go and watch that tour, but maybe, I don't know. My, um, But I know that they were all in the, in, in the area for... Well, I know Stevie lived there, and I know that um, Daryl and John were in town. 
I don't know. I don't know who else was on stage that night, but I thought that was the that that was the amount of people that that showed up. Yeah, well, it sounded like a whole lot of people on stage. Oh well, that's because the hello people were singing, and so there was what three guys, four guys singing, plus plus Stevie Nicks, plus Daryl Hall, maybe Rick Derringer was there. I don't know if Rick was there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's, yeah, so Rick was was in town, but I don't think they all flew out to do it. I think I think they just happened to be there. Uh, in town working on their own. Well, I but, thought it was cool. It made Todd sound like a you know pretty cool dude. You know, because yeah, it was fun. <clears throat> it was a fun time. I like that. That you had asked me earlier what you know what I like playing. I like playing the Back to the Bars tour, especially because um, I didn't have to sing all the time. I all I had to do was play drums in that tour, mm-hmm. and that was really easy. And I could just concentrate on my playing and not have to concentrate on singing and playing. Yeah, but you're a good singer, and and uh, well, that's nice to say. But when you're singing and playing, it's a distraction. Oh, I bet that's. So I've always thought that that must be hard. You know, I, I can't pat myself on the head and rub my stomach. <laughs> but the no, I mean, you know, there, there's certain things that you sacrifice uh, when you're singing and playing. You just can't do both as well as you can do them separately. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're Jimi Hendrix, and of course, when he played, he kind of sang what he played too. You know. So, so it's a, you know, there's you lose a little bit of uh, of focus in 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 both areas because you can't lay into, you know, without distraction one or the other. You have to kind of be attentive to both. Right. Well, there were a few times though that you that you sang live, right? Well, yeah, and and I mean, all please. the Utopia shows, I would sing. We all sang live, and then we all had our songs that we would sing as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of my favorite things about uh, Utopia is that you all four of you guys sang, and and you all had great voices and were multi instrumental. I just you guys had it all. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was it was fun. I definitely miss having Utopia around. If I if I could just put my vote in for that, okay. She okay. votes for Utopia. There you go. One vote. All right. One vote. Do. <laughs> okay. Here here it comes. My big question. Um. When you have been on tour uh, with with Utopia or any other bands, um, in the past, do you do your own laundry or do you have someone else do it? Do I do my own laundry or have someone else do it? I always have somebody do it. Oh, okay. So you don't I don't do my own laundry now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the first. I have. That's you're the first person that's actually come out and said. You know that someone else does it. I know really? it's, a, it's a silly question. I know, but <clears throat> she's right. Fil- a Philly question or a silly question? Silly with an S. Silly with an S. No, it's not silly. Um, so you just I hate doing laundry. You just go to a cleaners and they do it for you type deal. Yeah, I I think I I need to just give it to the hotel and say you know I mean if it's dry cleaning get the dry clean and if it's laundry you give it to the hotel and it comes back in a nice folded clear plastic package. There you go. Okay. And, <clears throat> Yeah, I know it maybe it was expensive, but it felt good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real good. Well, Doug, by the way, uh, the sound is really good tonight. Good. Okay. Cool. And Willie, Willie, you take care. And you too. Nice to talk to you. Okay, talk to you later. There Bye. you go. Bye. The Every Show Laundry question has been answered. we got a yep. new one. Uh, she got into it with, I think it was Roger, about the feet don't fail me now. She'll have to outfit. follow up now about airing our dirty laundry. There you go, exactly. She found out that uh, Law Workman wears sequin underwear.
Really? Not really. Just, I didn't uh, know that, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's too much information. 617, what do you got for us? Hey, Doug. Hey, Willie. It's Grady. Hey, hey Grady. What's up? Um, I, I was just wondering, um, there have been stories about your, your uh, spinning motorcycle drum kit. Right. But um, I, I was wondering, did you have to take drugs to keep from throwing up as the things run down? Or no, I just I just take drugs because it feels good. <laughs> Not for any particular reason, like spinning or anything. Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, no. That <laughs> the only thing that I can remember that as you say that, I never I never got um, dizzy. But I just I can remember that we were talking about Chris Anderson in the heavy bag. Well, don't worry because Chris Anderson got me back by having the guys. And, and the the road crew because they would spin the bike super fast some night. I can remember doing my solo and then all of a sudden the centric, centrifugal force was so great that I had to hold on to the hi hat with one hand so I wouldn't go flying off. And so I'm playing the solo with one hand and people are probably thinking like, oh wow, cool dudes playing like solo with one hand. But that was preservation. It had nothing to do with creativity. <laughs> Well, those were pretty much in the early days of electronic drum kits, and uh, you could really take that a lot further now with the with the wonderful synthesized sounds that you can get. Yeah, well, um, it, it's funny that you say that. The the I think they were called Procussion or Syncussion were the first ones that were on that Trapparatus drum set, and um, the and they were just synthesized sounds. They weren't samples, and the later part of that drum set. Uh, there was a company called D-Drum, Klavia, out of uh, Sweden. Hans Nordelius is the uh, the owner of that company, and he's actually the he's his name is Nordelius, and he's the Nord from the Nord Lead and the Nord Synthesizer, very famous. And they had the D-Drums that they 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 came out with, and I used those D-Drums on tour, and I went into the studio and did a sampling session, and I used the sample drums. With the D drums that I was triggering, we sent the samples to uh, to Sweden, and um, Hans burnt them onto cartridges, and they were inserted into the wow. to the the D drum brain, and th- those were the the sounds that, that that I used. And to be honest with you, the sounds that that I have today are no better than those sounds that I had back then, because first of all, they were recorded in a 24 track studio with two inch tape and had all the tape compression and the drum sounded phenomenally well in the studio and they translated great uh on that kit so um it, it not not a lot has changed since the D drum time I mean, the bit rate is higher but for for all intensive purposes that at the end of the cycle of the of the uh Trapratus drum set the sounds were pretty good the very in the beginning ones they were terrible we actually had the syncussion uh, uh, synthesized drum there, and we actually put snares on the bottom just so that you could hear the sound of a snare because it just had this kind of shitty little farty sound that, that it would make. And then Chris would try to EQ it and fatten it up so that it ended up sounding like a manly snare drum. But but that was a hard period for the, the, the beginning stuff. But toward the end, we had had we had good samples. Great show. Nice talking with you. Keep it up, and we'll talk later. Cool. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Hey, Grady. Grady, still there? Yeah. You gonna get to go to Boston? What's that? You gonna get to go to? Well, that was was last time. Never mind. 
I'm, I'm on a whole other subject, man. <laughs> on the on the tour, you wanted to go to Boston. It was sold out. Did you get to go? Oh, you mean Chicago? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, figured out a way to get some seats at, at the last minute here. A couple of days ago, some turned up. So. Very good. So I'll Ready be in there. At All right. Chicago, check out Rockwellow. She'll be there. We had a big, uh, Willie, we had a big uh, calling for Chicago to get a Todd show. It had been a while. And uh-huh. I don't know if we had any influence on it, but they did get two. <laughs> so it's all good for them. Cool. we got another call from uh, 908. You with us? Yes, I am. How you guys doing? Good. This is Jerry Cole from New Jersey. Uh, Doug, first thing, uh, great show. Really enjoyed listening to all, all the uh, radio cast. You're doing a great job. Uh, Willie, long-time fan. First time I saw you was during the Adventures Tour. Uh, uh-huh. Really great to talk to you. I know but where you are, 908 area code. You must be near Clinton, New Jersey. Well, I'm actually located in Cranford. I know you used to live in Jersey. Yep. That, yep. Was, my, that was my area code, 908. Oh, you were in Clinton? Yep. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I know that area. I know that area. I'm not, I actually, uh, my girlfriend lives in Lamberville, which is fairly close to Clinton. How about yep. that? <laughs> Did you say Clinton? Uh, Clinton, Clinton, New Jersey. As in the, okay. Yeah. Maybe San Quentin. Okay, all right, Clinton. Clinton, San Quentin. Willie, I, 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 I remember first picking up Pod and uh, just thinking that was the greatest record. And I'm, afterwards, I did a little research, and I understand that you had a lot to do with that record. Uh, I don't know if it was uh, you and Todd that, that mainly produced it. I was always interested in how you guys got the sounds on that record, how you guys went, um, went, went um, by producing it. Uh, great sounds, great songs. Uh, just if you could uh, tell us a little bit of uh, how you guys creatively how you guys made that record that'd be great okay what well, i'm a little bit confused what record are you talking about Oz. huh oh, oh okay oh, okay okay yeah okay yeah i got a connection here sorry about that you had said um so tell me your question again now i got it just i i understand you you had a lot to do with making the pod record i know yep. all you guys all the records you guys have yep. looked at all the records my understanding but that you kind of really uh, held the rein with Todd when producing pop. Great sounds, uh-huh. drum sounds. Just if you can shed a little light on how you guys made that record, that'd be great. Yeah, you're talking okay. about POV for people who can't understand, because yeah. I thought you said Todd at first. Now you're saying That's what Pop. I thought, too, and I was yeah. going like, hmm. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. I, I got a bad connection I didn't over know here. Yeah, Todd back at, at, in, in the to- at the Todd record. <laughs> POV, which was persistence of vision, correct? Yeah. There okay, so, well, what happened there was, <clears throat> was an example of... Um, kind of what I was touching on earlier, which is uh, somebody taking an interest in a direction and, and being vocal about it and kind of expressing themselves and providing material in that direction. Um, that was at a time period when the um, the drum machine and the sequencer really started to, to it was born really. It was with the Oberheim synthesizer it was the OB8 was the synthesizer. Um, the DMX and the, was the drum machine, and the DSX was the sequencer. It was really the beginning of being able to um, program music in, in a computer. But the but in this particular case, it wasn't a, a computer. That, it was the computer that was internal in the machines, um, and it was starting. Well, Prince was using, you know, those kinds of things, and I just was really influenced by. Um, that kind of music. I always liked R and B music and funky music and stuff. And a lot of that music, with the you know with the Lynn drum and stuff coming out, all that stuff was, you know, because I just had a big interest in it. And um, the other thing for me personally that it allowed me to do is normally in the traditional days of Utopia, 
if we were writing songs, if I didn't sit at the piano to write a song at home and then bring in what I wrote to play for the band to hear to see if they liked it and to see if we might be able to use it. Back in those days, we called them musical modules. Everybody would kind of go off at home and stuff and come in with musical modules and you know, Todd would say, hey, I got this guitar part, and he'd play it, and Roger goes, hey, well, I wrote this part, that might go with this one. <clears throat> and a lot of our songs were formed, well, not a lot of them, but various songs that we wrote were formed using these bits that we wrote independently that we changed the keys for when we got there or mated them with um, other ones. This was a case where, um, and then what would happen, too, for me, is that a lot of times we would write material where we would sit in the studio and not have an idea and come in and then Todd would fish for chords, Roger would fish for chords, Cass would fish for bass notes, and I would play drum beats. And um, I, re I can remember being frustrated at points not being able to contribute harmonically to the band because I was like a drum machine. So I was like, okay, well, let's do this. And so I would play a beat. But I couldn't say, hey, go to this chord, go to that chord. I could just sit and listen to to the guys search for the chords to use and I might hear chords in my head but I couldn't sing a chord so basically I kind of was out of the loop in being able to contribute an idea I might have so with the advent of these sequencers um, I could go home and write the bass parts, the drum parts, the, the keyboard parts, the structure of the song, the form and bring it in which is what ended up happening on that record uh, it was also kind of the beginning for Utopia using um, sequencing and stuff as a big part of the of the direction and the sound of the record because you can hear the sounds are different on that record and one of the reasons is that uh, um, the use of those machines Todd had a Fairlight which we also used and uh, but it was kind of a controversial uh, point for the band you know kind of caused some tension in the band as well because as you can imagine you're going from being a live band and the strength of the band is playing live and we've always played live to a condition where we're now starting to program where um and and the and the fact is is that when you're programming like we do today with musicians today it's a lot um less personal so you're writing music by yourself you don't I don't need to have a bass player here I can write the bass parts myself I don't need a keyboard player I can play the keyboard myself so it kind of ends ends up alienating in a certain sense other people from participating but at the same time it produces something else so th those were the kind of the concepts you know behind that and I just happened to be in a period where um, I was writing a lot of music and I had a lot of ideas especially because of that technology I had a lot of ideas and direction and then I also uh, wanted to be a, uh, a big part of the be involved in a big part of the way that the record sounded so that's kind of what led to, to the beginning of how that was uh, made. That's great. Listen, I really appreciate that answer. I, I always wondered how you guys put that together. It's a great uh, record. It was great talking to you guys. Uh, Doug, keep up the great work. We appreciate it. Hey, Jerry, I appreciate the call, man. All right, hey, Willie, Jerry, take care. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, it is Jerry, isn't it? Is it Jerry? Yes, it is. Yeah, Jerry, appreciate okay, the call, Jerry. man. Okay, guys, enjoy. Bye. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I... Um, I know that POV is one tough CD to find. I don't know if you keep up with that kind of stuff, but when they go on eBay, they go for over 50 bucks. They do? Yep. Shit, let's print some more up. You need to put them back out there. I'm telling you, it's a rare one, and it apparently is is the fan favorite. You know, I'm yep. sure everybody has their different ones they like, but I, I think, you know, just 
in a well, small group. Now that you told me that, I'm going to look for my copy, and I'm going to print it up and put them on eBay. I think you should, man. That's I'll sell them. You, man. I'll pay for my laundry. It will. You can get your laundry done over there for you know probably a good couple months. A couple years. A couple years over there. That's oh, right. Yeah. It's good for cost of living. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sell, well, sell one a month, and it's your gym membership. Yep. It's all good. We're going to take care Can't of it. Eat that. Right. Good deal. Okay, well, let's shift gears just for a minute. I'm enjoying talking about Utopia, of course, but everybody is uh, seems to be interested in a bio break, the Dustin 29 bio break, we call it, and that is a bathroom run. So we're going to play a song here. It's a minute and 45 seconds, so make it a quick one if you're going to run to the bathroom. But I know a lot of you don't. So Wait, wait, wait. I'm a little bit confused because had I known that, that I needed music for going to the bathroom, I would have supplied another piece. I got one for for you here. I, oh, you I, do. I don't want to do that to you though, because I don't I don't know that a lot of people go. But uh, do you mind if we play the East now? Okay, cool. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that before we do, and then uh, if anybody needs to go, take your phone with you and go. Okay, so right. so so you want me to, to tell you about it now? Yes, it's the Edge, right? Or is it the East? Okay, this is called the East. The East. Okay. Now I have to give a shout out to my man Cream. Cream. He's uh, from East New York. This is and not to be confused with the band Cream with a C. This is Cream nope. with a K. <laughs> this, this is Cream with a K uh, from East New York. Also, a shout-out to Kashmir, another East New York uh, rapper friend. And um, they both have new records coming out. Uh, Cream has a record coming out called Half Amazing, and uh, Kashmir has a record coming out called Proposal Part 2. So I told those guys I'd give them a shout-out. And uh, um, Cream has his – he's on MySpace at Cream AZ at MySpace, and Kashmir's at – um, the Cash Administration. They're both on MySpace. Oh yeah, Cash Administration is is MySpace. That's cool. Yep. Now, so so anyway, the the the, th- the track with Cream, um, uh, we got together. He's from East New York, and I was living in New York, and so we put this track together. It's kind of like features. Sounds kind of like a little bit sci-fi-ish. We, you know, we 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 kind of have some sounds that are not typical in the hip hop. And we we stuck them together with. Uh, this track that we did, and it's called The East, and uh, that's it. So, Kashmir doesn't have anything to do with it. You're just giving him a shout-out, right? Yeah, I'm giving Kashmir a shout-out. I'm going to be working with Kashmir and Cream on some stuff coming up soon, so I wanted to say, hey. This is Cream from the CD Half Amazing. You can find him on MySpace, of course. So you got a minute and 45 seconds to check this out. Here we go.
All right. Hell yeah. <laughs> there you go. The East. Yep. So hey, I, I want I wanted to give a shout out to Nemesis. Uh Nemesis from Puerto Rico and uh he was a rapper on um uh Pac Man Punch and he's on uh League of Extraordinary Ladies and Gentlemen at uh, MySpace if you want to check him out. He uh he he's on tour with Don Omar and a lot of we wrote a a, a track together uh as well, another song called uh um Me Gusta Reggaeton and Reggaeton if whether you know it or not is like a like a, well, there's a big song called Dami Me Gasolina, which was out, which was really popular. It's a certain kind of rhythm and uh, it's dance style, but it's emanated out of um, uh, Puerto Rico. So we've done a bunch of stuff together. So I wanted to shout out to, uh, to Nemesis. Man, you go all over the place. <laughs> we've been we traveled the world on this show. Yeah, it's all good. Okay, hey, uh, I wanted to ask you about your MySpace page. There's your avatar. I can't figure out what that is. It looks like it may be a door to something. What is that? Oh. If you if you read it really closely, it says "Cuidado el perro," which means you know, "Beware of dog." <laughs> it's all a sign. Right. It just says "Beware of the dog." Yeah. Um, but I, it was all hand painted and written in there, and I thought it was <laughs> it was a great sign. So that's that's my that's the door to my page. Yeah. Now everybody knows, and it's backslash Willie, right? Just you got um, first, huh? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just Willie. So yeah. if anybody wants to check out his MySpace page, or you can find him. Well, I guess we've added you as a friend. I hope so. We're at myspace.com backslash Rungren Radio. Add us as a friend if you haven't already, because we want you on there. All right. right. Very good. I also have my my other page. My my the WillieWilcox.com is there too. Uh, yeah, that's right. And you know, it's um, I was on there, and your bio's not pulling up. Is that? Uh, yeah, it's because I'm redoing the bio. And then you got some TV coming up that sounded like it might be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But that's not ready yet. Not ready yet. What's that going to be about? Um, I don't know. I haven't put. I haven't thought about what I'm going to put in there yet. I think I, I may abandon my website because I only use the website kind of like as a business card, mm-hmm. and MySpace and um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Facebook. Uh, um, the other page for for all the videos and stuff is YouTube. YouTube, yeah. Yeah, YouTube is, cool. is better. I mean, kind of websites are kind of like. Over. Yeah, it, it, that's true. The, my space is. I don't. I, don't, I haven't passed much attention to. Uh, um, you know, it's my nice website. website. I haven't done anything on the website for a while. Yeah, a lot of flash. It looks good. Yeah, nice. well, back in the days of flash, flash boarding. Yeah, well, if you get people to help you out, you can keep that going too. MySpace, you know, of course, has some limitations as far as what you can, what you can do on there. But it's a great communication and promotion tool. But everybody's yep. trying it. And YouTube is fun. As a matter of fact, we're going. We're going to take some pictures at the uh, show and put the merchandise on YouTube so people can see what it really looks like because the site has kind of an artist rendition of it. But, um, oh, cool. That's, that's part of the game plan there. But yep. Speaking of hip-hop, you know, there's some people weren't real, real fond of Todd doing uh, some rap when the TRI came out, but I kind of like it. But anyway, uh-huh. speaking of Todd, there's there's been a rumor out for a while I wanted to ask you about that you and Todd had some kind of riff, and I know rumors get started and always true, but just want to ask you, you know, if you wanted to uh, clean that up for everybody and let us know what was going on with that or if that's something that's a little too personal for you. But if you could comment on it, that would be great. Well, I don't know exactly how to comment on it. Um, 
we are both very opinionated. I, he, he had, there's a book that was written that, I don't know if you read that book that um, somebody wrote about him. A Dream Goes On Forever? Yeah, I think yeah. that was the one. The it was a part one or a part two or something. I never yeah. read a lot of it, but I did read a, a small, um, some of the stuff I, I, I glanced through at. And uh, I think Todd summed it up best by saying that Willie and I have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So, uh, um, but no, I mean, it, it, it's, there's not a matter of, I mean, I have no animosity or bad feelings um, now. Uh, and back at the time, as we discussed earlier about um, people getting along and, and, and being artistic and, um, and young and having opinions and ideas and stuff, I mean, it's just kind of like, just, I don't, you know, I don't believe that everything is democratic or has to be democratic. Right. And uh, I, I think at, at the end of the day, you could say that it boiled down to that neither Todd or I were afraid of expressing what we felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes that can, you know, somebody's, uh, you, you got uh, two leaders in a group, and sometimes that can be a problem, I guess, especially at that age. And so, times, but, so yeah. um but you know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with standing up for what you believe. No. And sometimes people get hurt. Sometimes sparks fly. But at the same time, uh, good things come out of out of, uh, of friction and and conflict too. So, you know, I I, I think at, at the end of the day, we made good music. Absolutely. So. So I mean, is, is that kind of behind you though? I mean, you guys, you, are you in the love phase or the hate phase? You know, at this point or? Well, I I don't know. I haven't seen well. Yeah, that's behind us. I, I saw Todd. Um, when did I see him? About well, it was before I went to Mexico, and when I was living in New Jersey toward the end. So maybe I saw Todd three years ago mm-hmm. at a solo show, mm-hmm. and um, we had a great chat. You know, we I went backstage after the show, and we probably talked for an hour, and it was great. Excellent. All so right. It was fine. I, I that was the last time I saw him, which was. Yeah, about three, three and a half years ago, and everything was cool. Very good. All right, so that's good to hear. You know, so it's, it's, uh, we've talked to, you know, Moogie Klingman. There's been rumors about him. I also want to let everybody know i got a commitment from Stuckey to be on the show. There's rumors about him as well. And, you know, it's just so long ago, and I could, uh, you know, I think all of us, if we go back in the past, there's there's probably these love-hate relationships, you know, and it's good to see that they end up, you know, getting worked out because yep. it's hard to believe that somebody like, especially like Stuckey, for example, he was – or, you know, with Todd in 67, and, you know, back then, if he's still holding grudges, it's going to be kind of interesting to hear about that. But I just find that hard to believe. I don't think that's the case, but we'll we'll address that with him and have a good time with him talking about the NAS days. Mm-hmm. We have another call from Texas, I believe. This is 972. You're with us. Yes, hi. I am from Texas. Hi, Willie. Thanks for hey. coming on the show. Okay, what's your name? My name is Liz. Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, well, another vote for Utopia. Here. Cool. And oh, that, um, that, that did it. We're on the road. Okay, do it. <laughs> I was wondering how how did you meet Todd to begin with? And uh, well, um, I played with uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates in '76, I think it was. No, '75, <clears throat> and we made the War Babies album with Daryl wow. and John. That was the, actually the first record that I had made in my life, and I had uh, auditioned for Hall and Oates and gotten the gig in New York. And um, Todd was the producer of uh, of that record for Daryl and John. And John Siegler, who was the former bass player of Utopia, 
was the bass player on the record, and he and I clicked really well playing, and um, John wanted me to wanted to get me in the band. So there was another case about getting somebody in the band. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I went through their through their um, uh, their own set of perils about getting me in the band at that time because they had Kevin Elman in the band in the past, and then. John and I had played together, and he really liked it. So then John wanted me to be in the band, and I was like, "Hey, well, I'll be in the band if you want me to be in the band." So that, but that's that's how it ended up um, coming to pass is that Todd produced the War Babies album. Wow, interesting. Um, another yep. question: I was uh, recently watching the Nearly Human uh, press kit video, uh-huh. and I thought it was really cool that the three of you guys showed up for. I think it was a Love My Life. Not me. Uh yeah, I think it was you. Was I there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the Maybe video. this is what Cap told me the other day. He said, "Yeah, we were there." And I, I can't. Was it a surprise? Yeah, yeah, it was a total surprise. Todd had yeah, no it idea. Surprised me. I'm, I never remember being there. Wow. Well, maybe I should send you the video. So much for those drugs that I took to keep from <laughs> feeling like I, I wouldn't be sick on the on the trapratus drum machine. There you go. Okay. Well, I guess that blows my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can't answer your question because I don't remember being there. Okay. Well, um, all right, I have another one. Um, okay. I know I've seen a little bit of footage of the Raw tour, and I was just curious why there's never been like a whole video ever released of that because I missed it, and I would love to see the whole thing. Mm. I don't know if, if there's any footage that exists. It's a good question. Well, there are cameras um, there because, I mean, there are, vi- you know, I've seen like one video or something that seemed like it was like from three camera angles or something. So. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I'm, not, I'm not being very helpful with your questions. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Do you have any questions? Stay like, away uh, from drugs. I know. Uh, laundry questions. Yeah. Um, How about a tour bus question, Liz? Um, tour bus question. Well, yeah, well... You got any funny stories or really your favorite times or something? Oh, well, I can share something with you that uh, a little bit funny, I guess, at least in my mind. Uh, I remember I didn't really like the tour buses. I hated the tour buses. I always wanted to fly. Ah. I couldn't stand sleeping in those little bunks and being cooped up, and I would rather just get on the plane, get there, and yeah, but too expensive all the time to fly. It got more expensive and more expensive, so we mm-hmm. had those tour buses. Uh, <clears throat> but I remember that the guys in the band called, the back of the bus was called the funk chamber because what would happen is that <laughs> we would play the shows, and then when we got done, a lot of times I remember not hanging out like to meet and greet, not because yeah. I was antisocial, but this guy was like tired and I just wanted to like chill out, so we would maybe meet a few people and stuff. But I was always one of the first per- people to get back into the bus. But the reason that I really went to, to get into the bus is that I would always grab a bottle of wine and my favorite Meters records and James Brown records and Marvin Gaye records and Stevie records and R&B records and go into the back of the bus and catch a buzz and listen to funky music. Fun. And so... Oh. They called it the the funk chamber. So. Oh, cool! <laughs> the back of the bus. Yeah. Wow. So that's what that's my my bus. That's the only bus story that I remember or that I'm able to tell. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's it. That's what it is right there. <laughs> yep. 
Well, I've always loved the uh, "You Make Me Crazy" video. You have any? Do you remember doing that? Oh yeah, I remember doing that. <laughs> that was funny. It did make me crazy. Did it? That was it. That was at the. I, well, that was right after they invented the wheel, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right after that. Yeah. Um, now that that's like early, like pioneering video time. Todd had that video studio, and uh, that was, you know. They had, uh, uh, yeah, it was, that was very, very early on, early parts of video, and uh, yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember everything about it. It was fun. Any stories there? Many stories. That you can tell. Um, no, it's not, there was there was no story. It just was a day of shooting, day of shooting, and uh, oh, I, I remember. <laughs> this is funny. I'll share this with you. Um, I remember my hair was getting thin, and so I remember we had to do some spray paint so that, so because the lights were so bright, so, so my scalp wouldn't be reflective, so we painted my head a little bit. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, they used to have a product for that one of those infomercials. It was supposed to make your hair grow. You spray paint it. I forgot what that was. Uh, that's yeah. funny. By, by Krylon. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Now you have no, no hair, right? Now I have no hair. I shaved it all off. Well, I shaved my whole head off. Yeah. I have no head either. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, right. well, again. That it, Liz? Yeah, that's it. I'm All right, thanks for calling. Great show. You're doing a good job, Doug. Hey, thanks. Okay. Appreciate you calling in. Thanks. All right, we thanks, got another Willie. call. Got a couple people here. I'll get you on, I promise. Hopefully, if Willie will hang tight with us. 336? 336. Oh, are you talking to me? I'm talking to you for 336. Oh, well, I thought my name was Deacon Light. I didn't Deacon know my name Light. was 336. Well, that doesn't show up, so I got oh, to go Oh, is it 655321? Like but it was a good impression of, are you talking to me? You talking, hey, to, talking me? to me? Yeah, this is Dee Dee. Hey, Dee Dee. Hey, how you doing? Good, what's up? Um, well, what I was wondering, my first question, uh, when you were talking about wine, was that red or white? Oh, my wine? When you'd go to the back of the bus. And yeah, I think it was... I drink red or white. Mad red. Dog 2020. Red. Oh, gosh. No, red. no. That's puking wine, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny you were mentioning, mentioning um, you make me crazy because, see, I, I'm an old-time, um, you know, Todd Utopia fan, but I got into radio in um, 1977, and then when the whole punk thing came about, I had to kind of, you know, punk and new wave and pop and all that, I kind of had to let everything the past be the past, but that one song just fit in so well when I would play the cars and stuff. Utopia would always be able to sneak in and and be cool with all my so-called new wave stuff. Wow, yeah. And I had this one friend that um, I, I also did a club version of the, of the radio show, mm-hmm. and this guy was like one of the hardcore, you know, black flag type people, but he would come out to the club every week and he always wanted to hear Princess of the Universe. <laughs> wow. So, you sang that one, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Very nice. Yes, yes, and that was his favorite song, and I just, I always thought it was so funny because, you know, this guy had never liked anything that was pop at all. Hammer in My Heart was a big dance hit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just during that whole period, I'd kind of... Well, Princess know, was kind of, was a, a trashy vocal. That was a great song, though. I mean, yeah. that's like a just... And it, it sounded great in the clubs. It sounds great on my turntable. What do you mean by that trashy vocal? What does that mean? What do I mean by that? Just, it was just kind of like a, like, 
don't give a shit kind of lead vocal. I like that. All right. That's a great song, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, good hearing what you're up to these days. Cool, yeah. I'm yeah, I, I also thought I'd butt in. I might hijack it and try to get you on my radio show on Deacon Light. There you go. What do you think? i got to get Doug on my radio. DeaconLight.com. Yeah, that's Coming me. in to steal my thunder. Oh, come on. <laughs> on. I want to get you on uh, my radio show hey, what you, Rundgren Radio. You know how to find him. Yeah. I gave great. you the information. It's on, on MySpace. That's his place. But Don't go to the website. But it's great <laughs> hearing Willie. You know, I mean, I've I've been a Utopia fan since way back when. Cool. And, um, you know, all the way back to, I guess, what is it, the, the first Utopia album and another mm-hmm. live and all that. Going way back like where the wheel was created. <laughs> Very good. Well, all right. Thanks. Hey, we appreciate it. Look, uh, everybody, uh, Didi, thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hey, we've got uh, the chat room is um, trying to reconnect for some reason. That's uh, up there it is. It should be back. So uh, try it now if you have it. We've got a couple more callers we need to get to right quick. 434 has been on hold for a while. Where are you calling from, 434? It's Bill Bricker from Charlottesville. Bricker. All right. Yes. Very good. Hi, Willie. How are you? Good, Bicker, what's up? I, I apologize. I've only been, as long as I've been holding, as long as I've been listening, I've actually uh, been out playing Last of the New Wave Riders this evening. <laughs> oh, okay. I was figuring out the intro riff to that, teaching a guy how to play bass, and it was quite fun. Cool. Uh, I don't know what you guys talked about in the first part, so I apologize if it's been repeated. But I was well, we'll, re- we'll repeat it for you. Yeah, you go. Oh, I, yeah, that'd be great. Um, my my main thoughts about you have to do with when you started to become more involved in the production with Utopia. Uh-huh. I think you're one of the only people in the history of the world to be co-producing with Todd. Mm-hmm. I can't remember quite which album it was. I can't remember if it was POV. It's POV. Um, you're listed as a co a co-producer, mm-hmm. and I. Don't think that, I mean, I haven't gone back and checked it, but when I thought about you, I thought that was a question I wanted to ask. That experience of sharing that lead responsibility with Todd mm-hmm. and what kind of, you know, what kind of experience was that, especially having, having been in Utopia for 10 years at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, well, for me, it was a good experience. <laughs> um, it, it, I, I just think it's, um, it was, well, it's POV, Persistence of Vision, you know, is it? I had a uh, a strong vision for that record, and uh, um, I knew what I wanted to hear for myself, from my perspective, and I just uh, and it was good. We um, uh, I can remember Todd and I working on mixing and and you know talking about the sounds and stuff, and I thought it was uh, um, it was a it was a nice camaraderie. And when you did it, I know that in that time you were you were pushing for a, a specific drum sound. I think trying to go a little more with the the modern sounds of the times at uh-huh. that point, the techno yeah. uh, drums. And I wondered what other influence you might have had on that album. My favorite song, my favorite Utopia song, is More Light. Uh huh. And so I'd be curious to know about how that was created and, and what your role in production was. Well, well. I uh Todd wrote the lyrics and I wrote the all the music and that was all I had explained earlier that that was the advent of the OB8 and the the DMX drum machine and the DSX drum machine from Oberheim. So that song I programmed all the parts um at home when I wrote it and then brought it into the studio and then um and and in those tracks I and a lot of POV other than uh let's see wasn't there there was like a 
a slow blues song on POV too, right? Yeah, it's um, it's uh, late night, lay down, dreaming, dreaming all too much. Yeah, yeah, that that, that, one. that one was cut live, but Mystified. the majority of those songs, um, I had programmed the the tracks and the the synthesizers, and brought them in, and I put the drums down first, and then the bass was added later, and then the keyboards were you know replaced and overdubbed, and and I I think I re- oh like in. Uh, Style, I think the bass part was was actually the synthesizer part from Style was on there, was the original bass part that I wrote that was was synthesized. So it was it was one of the first times that that's something we talked about a little earlier that it was one of the first times that a performing band kind of took a back seat to technology and the technology started to um, to influence the sound of the band, the way that the band wrote the music, um, the way that it, you know that that we worked in the studio. It, it, was, it was a pretty traumatic experience, but at the same time, it, it was growth, you know. So um, it was, uh, technologically, it was really interesting to, to, to do. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it all again with that information because you've really brightened my world, expanded my knowledge of it. Because there, in the early days, Utopia used to say, this was words and this was music, and you gave individual credit to songs. But by that time, you were just saying everything was by Utopia. Right. So picking out who did what became more difficult, even though they always said that you know, Todd was the de facto lyricist. So, you know, On that particular uh, record, I wanted to get credit because I felt that, that, uh, that I was co-producing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought that I should. And when you broached that, what was, was Todd was like, yeah, sure, or, or what? <laughs> You know, I don't specifically remember, but I, I, I think I remember it being um, as revolutionary as you think, as you thought it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. My last question has to do with when you guys reunited in '92 and did the quick tour. Yep. And and how were you crushed when you couldn't get the record deal, or how was it after you guys were back together that you didn't? I mean, you made the live album. But I think there was some hope that there actually would be interest in a new, a new uh, making new music. So what was that experience like? You mean was that after the the uh, the Japan tour? Right at the Japan tour. I mean, you guys got together and you did the live album. And I, what I recall, the history of the time was that you were trying to broker a new record deal, but none of the labels would sign you without actually hearing the music first. And you guys, yeah, didn't that, that to probably was that, You never worked. Prob- that, that probably was true. Um, uh, were we crushed? No, I think we were tired. <laughs> no, I think we were tired of, uh, you know, touring and putting out records and and having one thing happen or another thing happen, and it, it's it's a lot. It's a, it's very exhausting, you know, uh, emotionally and physically to to spend that amount of time, and you know, and then again, it's it's the commercial industry, so it it's not easy. It's not easy, and then. Then we weren't we weren't a straight ahead commercial band either. That didn't make it any easier. But we we certainly had our share of potential songs that could have crossed over and been hits. You know, in the Adventures record and oh, all of them. I mean the other bands. I mean what England Dan and John Ford Coley does love and the answer what does the answer and have a huge hit with it. So mm-hmm. I, I I could never explain I could never understand any of that. And I feel like everything in YouTube yeah, well, Todd's catalog is just a hit. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I guess. Uh, <laughs> 
I don't, I don't know. the answer, really? <laughs> Figure it out. We'll be good. There. Well, love, <laughs> I guess love was the answer. Yeah, love yeah. was the answer. But what was the question? I, I, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I love all the albums, so listen to them all. It's really great to talk to you. And I'm going to get off here and let someone else go. Cool. Right, nice to meet you. So, it's great to yeah. hear you. See you, Mr. Bricker. Thanks for calling. Talk we got area code 513. 513. Hello. Is that Cincinnati? Yeah, this is Cincinnati here. You hitting some of the shows? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, going to the Covington show, but I've seen Willie here in Cincinnati and Dayton uh, several times, and I really enjoyed the shows, Willie. Cool. Yeah, I remember being in Ohio. Yeah, I remember uh, the first Raw show up in Dayton at the Hara. Uh, I'd have to say my favorite song, of which you were the lead singer, was uh, the Jealousy song. I really enjoyed <laughs> the vocals on that. Oh, uh, cool. <clears throat> kind of like you had the lead, and then you did this powerful uh, chorus in the background, and uh, that was quite a concert tour. I think I played bass in that song. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. As you did on some of the other songs. But I was just going to ask, on, on most of the albums, when you're singing lead, you also had a hand in writing the song, I would take it. Um, let's see. And, and Jealousy, I did. in uh, Princess of the Universe was Todd's song, and I just sang it. Okay. So not, not, on every, uh, not every song that I sang on that I was I the composer. Okay. But the POV album, particularly, I really enjoyed. I thought the production on it was uh, uh, really good. I don't know if it was the advancements in technology or uh, it just seemed quite a bit cleaner than the other albums. Yeah, well, that that was part that was partially my influence in wanting to to have the sound grow. There you go. Hey, five one three. I didn't get your name. Uh, this is Jerry Noonan in Cincinnati. Okay, Jerry. Cool. And. Uh, well, I just want to say I really enjoyed the show. I'm, I've only hit both of them halfway through, but I'll be listening in the future. I really uh, think you're doing a great job, and uh, it was great talking with you, Willie. I'll let someone else get on. Okay, man. Nice talking. Hey, to you. Jerry, thanks for calling. You can, hear, you can listen to all the shows in the archives, of course. We got them all dating back to the beginning. All right. Thanks a lot, then. All right, man. Hey, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Cincinnati, uh, we'll see you at okay. the Covington Show, by the way. I will be there. All right. Look forward to it. Maybe recording a little bit of live action from there. We're going to find out. Maybe a couple of songs. Have some fun with it. 732, that's New Jersey, I believe. Hey, fellas. Uh, this is Doug Kennedy calling in from New Jersey. Doogie. <laughs> How you hey, doing, Doug? guys? Um, I had a couple questions for Willie. Number one is, uh, is actually something that's been um, confusing me since uh, 1985, and I don't know if you'll even remember this, but... Did you sing any of the uh, vocals on the song Wildlife from the POV record? Are you singing on the verses, or is that Todd singing the whole song? No, I'm not singing on that. I probably was Todd. I thought so. Okay, because I've heard some people that think it's you on the verses, but mm-hmm. I think that's a little mystery. I don't know. If have... oh, I don't remember if we sang backgrounds on it or not. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you're singing backups. Um... But no, I don't think I sang any leads on that. Okay, mystery solved. And also, I was wondering, since uh, you're a, kind of a, you've mentioned that you're a big jazz fan, I was wondering if you could tell us uh, what jazz records are your favorites or what we should run out and, and add to our collections. Well, one classic record for me, well, there's different time periods, but A Love Supreme by John Coltrane. I'm writing this down. Okay, that was, <laughs> that was, a, that was a classic record. Um, um um, a record called Study in Brown by Clifford Brown and Max Roach, but that that's a earlier jazz uh, time period. Um, let's see, ay, 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 ay. there's a good, there's a great Count Basie. 
I Can't Stop Loving You, Count Basie, was a great big band record. Um, Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, Live at the Village Vanguard was a great big band record, but not traditional big band, but more kind of avant big band, great, great players in that band. Um, any of the records, well, the John Coltrane band had uh, McCoy Tyner on piano and Jimmy Garrison on bass and Elvin Jones on drums. That was a, a classic rhythm section in the classic band. Also, any of the Miles Davis records with um, the whole series of Miles records with Tony Williams, Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, Wayne Shorter, and Miles, all those, any of those records with those guys on uh, on the record are great records. Awesome. And then, um, God, there's countless. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, Will, you ever, do, you, do you know much about the Rippingtons? Do you, I don't know they're not really like true jazz, probably like what you're talking about. Not mu- no, not much. Yeah. Well, but they're vocal, right? Not really. They have no? some... Uh, then, I, then I'm thinking of somebody else. It's Russ Freeman sings with them some. No, don't know him. Speaking of uh, McCoy Tyner, I, I wonder, that reminds me of one of Chasm's anecdotes. I don't know if you remember this, Willie, but uh, Chasm tells a story where he was on a plane sitting next to a gentleman, <clears throat> probably in the 70s, listening to his headphones, and they were, I guess they were a little loud. And the gentleman sitting next to Chasm asked him to turn them down, turn it down. And Chasm just made, kind of made a face at the guy and, you know, ignored him. And it turned out to be McCoy Tyner. <laughs> That's uh, I think I believe he tells that anecdote on the uh, on the DVD that you guys where you each did an interview recently. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. So I thought I that was. Good. I, I never knew that. Yeah, <laughs> you'll have to ask him about that. But anyway, thanks for the uh, thanks for the great answers here, and uh, have a great uh, have a great time in Mexico. Okay, man. Take care. Okay, see ya. See, Doug. Appreciate you calling. Doug Kennedy plays guitar sometimes. Chasm when he's touring. Four four zero. You're with us. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about going to the Todd Rundgren show tomorrow in Cleveland. All right. Hey, could you speak up just a little bit? Yeah, I was thinking about going to the Todd Rundgren show tomorrow in Cleveland. I wondered if you had any idea what the set list is, what you know, what he's playing nowadays. Absolutely. A uh, good place to look for that stuff is in the concert tour information. There's some reviews. It's at trconnection.com. But it's a, it's a heavy guitar show. It's, it's not... Uh, He's not going to sit down on the piano and play Hello, It's Me or anything like that. The only hit, really, I guess, if you call it that, is I Saw the Light. They do play some Utopia One World. Trapped has been added to the set list. So that's some good stuff if you like Utopia, which we've been talking about a lot tonight. But there's, um, I'll give you a few of them, and then you can go look them up at TR Connection if you don't mind on the concert tour information. But Buffalo Grass, I Hate My Freaking ISP, Soul Brother, uh, Mammon, I Saw the Light, uh, Black and White, Drive. Lots of stuff. There's lo- there's Mariah. several. There's over a dozen songs. Black Mariah. Black Mariah, absolutely. Okay. That's the third song. Good stuff. You know, I'm on that. I tried that website. I, I didn't find any set list on there. Go go to the uh, concert and tour information. There's a, a, a drag down at the top, and then uh, just go read some of the reviews. You'll find it. There some of the reviews listed. Just keep looking at the reviews from the tour this year because uh-huh. the set list hasn't changed. Okay. Worldwide Epiphany, Hawking, good stuff. Okay, thanks. All right, man. I hope you make the show. Don't miss it. Is that all you got? Four, four. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I guess he didn't have any questions, unless he was asking you, Will, if you knew what the set list was. No, I don't know the set list. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, now, you said you got, you know, possible CD coming out. I don't don't suppose you'd be doing touring with that, would you, or is that possible? 
Geez, I have no idea. No idea. It's that, down that's, the road. That's, that's a ways off. The first thing I have to do is get everything done. Very good. And then uh, I'll take it from there. Yeah. All right. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's possible, you know, if I can get the uh, – I mean, it's going to have oh, – there will be wrappers on there, and uh, so it's possible. I mean, that's one thing that I'd love to do. I was talking to Cream about maybe uh, going out and uh, playing some shows with him or Kashmir live. Yeah, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Huh? <laughs> that would be fun. That'd be great. That'd be wild. Yeah. Probably a different a, crowd would... than what you were used to back in the Utopia days. But Yeah, I would have a blast. Yeah, that would be pretty fun. What did you think about the fans back then? I mean, you know, it uh, seems to be a pretty hardcore group. Uh, did you notice any differences, or was it all the same pretty much when you toured with other bands like Hall & Oates? I differences mean, in, in what regard? In, in the fans, you know, like the... Um, you know, just how much they would try to meet you after the shows, that type of thing. No, and the, our oh. fans were always very um, um, loyal and and really into the band. I, I remember. I mean, I can remember back in the days when I lived in Woodstock, coming back on from tours and having people out on the front lawn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did they want? Say hello. Say hello. Get an autograph. Get a picture. Yeah. That type of thing. Uh huh. Do you like doing that, or do you get on your nerves? No, I like it. Yeah? It's nice to be liked. Yeah, that's true. Some people don't, uh, I don't know if they appreciate that sometimes. So if somebody sees Willie Wilcox over in Mexico, he will take a picture and sign an autograph for you and like it. Hell yeah, come on over. That's good, man. So have you had any fans actually come over there hunting you down? Nope. Other than me? (laughs) (laughs) Other than you, no. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. Good stuff. All right, Willie, that was great. We really appreciate it. We're running out of time here, and I know you're busy. Of course, we've got... I am going to play. You're welcome to stay on the phone with me, or you can hang up. I've got a 1979 bootleg clip that Chris Anderson gave me. It's last of the New Wave Riders. All right. I'll play that to close out the show. Everybody be, be sure to check us out next week on the 23rd at 10 p.m. Eastern. Cruiser Mail will be hosting, and she's going to talk to Adam Ellis, who toured with the new car some when Todd was with them, and Prairie, and all that good stuff. So check that out next week, and we will have Stuky on next month, looks like, and possibly do some recording at a live show this weekend. So just look at the site, RuggerRadio.com, and on MySpace and all the other places like uh, Hot Toddies and TR Connection, and hopefully we'll have an update on that soon. Here we go with some Utopia. Willie Wilcox was our guest, WillieWilcox.com, or you can find him on MySpace, backslash Willie. And he's got lots going on, and now you are in the loop. Willie, thanks a lot. Hey, my pleasure. All right, here we go. A little Utopia action for everybody. Enjoy. Looks like that was just a clip. I thought I had the whole song. How about that? Let's play another clip. Utopia. Brother John took it in the sky. So they put him in chains for acting too odd. As the crowd shouted off again.
enjoyed the show tonight. I wish I could play last of the New Wave Riders off for you, but uh looks like I cut it short. I will try to do that on another show. Maybe Cruiser Mouth can do that for you next week. I will finish with a song for you, though, because I'm a nice person. <laughs> and uh, I know that's what you want to hear, something good. Let's How about, um, hmm, let's let the chat room decide. you got a choice of the seven rays or the wheel, which the wheel doesn't have much wheelie on it, I don't believe, but uh, it's a good show. What do you got? Let's hear it. Chat room vote. The wheel or seven rays? Don't, 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 don't. No, 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 no. All right, we got a vote. Oh, we got a tie. Need a tiebreaker? Up, oh, up. Oh, oh, killing me. All right, we're going seven rays. It looks like it was a close call. Here we go. Y'all have a good night. Peace. Thank you.